One of the more dangerous motivations for gambling is coping. So if people are turning to gambling to cope because they're struggling, that is often a really big predictor for gambling-related problems. Whenever we see stimulus, there's usually a spike in gambling. When Boris Johnson was in uh, intensive care, there were markets offered on who was going to be the next prime minister, which sort of just doesn't feel like the kind of thing you should be taking money for. Welcome to CQ University Commentary the podcast bringing you our experts to explore and dissect issues that affect you, your family, and your community. Subscribe now so you don't miss an episode and join the conversation on CQ University social media. This episode was recorded during the global coronavirus outbreak. As a result, CQ University has dedicated the first season of this podcast to focus on conversations about the issues from COVID-19 that you may not have considered, but are still changing the world we live in today. In following social distancing advice from the government, our interviewers and experts conducted these conversations remotely, so you may experience a lower quality of audio recording. Visit the CQ University website for more information on our response to COVID-19 and advice for students and staff. There's a saying about Australians, if two flies were crawling up a wall, we'd bet on it. And seriously, between us, we gamble away $25 billion a year. That's 1300 bucks for every adult. Almost half of that goes on pokey machines. And per capita, what we lose on the pokies is more than any other country loses across all forms of gambling. But in mid-March, coronavirus restrictions meant Australia's 5,000 pokies, venues and casinos shut their doors. There was no competitive sport to bet on. And with social distancing, even finding two flies on the same wall seemed like long odds. So today on Seek University Commentary, we're joined by gambling and psychology expert, Dr. Alex Russell. Welcome, Alex. Hi, thanks for having me. Alex is a senior postdoctoral fellow with CQ University's Experimental Gambling Research Laboratory. And before the coronavirus, he was immersed in the world of gambling, why it's so addictive, and all the ways that Aussies find to do it, sometimes creative and often destructive. Alex, COVID-19 has meant months of nothing to gamble on. Does that mean Australians are suddenly billions of dollars richer? No, not necessarily. There's uh, still stuff to gamble on. So horse racing somehow has still managed to (laughs) to go ahead. So that's still going nuts for a lot of people. And most uh, horse race betting can be done online as well. So you don't need to go to venues to do it. So we have seen a bit of a spike in online gambling. And we're seeing some people betting on new things that they might not have bet on before, like esports, for example, as well. But, you know, there's certainly a lot less money going into pokies. Nothing, in fact, for most people. So, uh, you know, we should have more money. But some other people have lost jobs jobs and things like that too. And pokies do mean money in pockets for uh, venue employees as well. So, you know, there's positives and negatives here. Okay. So I guess a lot like, you know, our socializing, our shopping, um, the, the shift online is happening across the community. Does that mean we actually know how many people are logging on or even how much they're losing in online gambling? We don't usually get access to the data, so the gambling operators kind of keep that under their belt, Um, but we can do some surveys to see what's going on. And we have seen that some people are uh, moving to betting online, but the data are pretty preliminary here, so, you know, we, we don't have a very clear picture of it yet. But there are some figures out there that say that online gambling is up quite a bit, yes. You made the point that, yes, with job losses, a lot of us have um, a bit less money to spend. But then we also know that the government is delivering relief packages, and that could be the JobKeeper or um, the job seeker payments or a whole range of initiatives for small business. Um, what do we know about gambling habits when government does hand out cash? 
Yeah, whenever we see stimulus, there's usually a spike in gambling. Um, often it's through the pokies, but uh, it can be on anything really. And it's not just necessarily gambling, it's all sorts of discretionary spending. So when you've been saving up for something or putting off doing something for a while and all of a sudden you get a bit of extra cash that you weren't necessarily expecting, it's a pretty good reason to go and treat yourself. And what treating yourself looks like is different for different people. But we, we saw it during the GFC when there were lots of handouts there that, uh, that pokies went up. We see it in good tax years when people get good uh, returns so July, August, um, gambling expenditure tends to be up quite a bit there too. And we saw it in Townsville in 2019 when there were floods and there were some handouts there. So we're expecting exactly the same thing here. Wow, that's that's really interesting. And yeah, getting that, there, there's a bit of excitement that goes with getting that extra money that you weren't expecting. Is that is excitement something that triggers people for gambling or what's the trigger here that might encourage some people to spend it at a gambling outlet? Yeah, so people gamble for a bunch of different reasons. Um, some types of gambling are pretty social, so you can do it with mates. You can compete to see who's going to do better on betting on you know sports this weekend, like a tipping comp, for example. Um, but a lot of people bet to you know try and have a little bit of extra money there too. And we know that gambling's a losing game, so that's usually not a, a great reason to gamble. Um, but excitement is probably one of the more important things it adds you know a bit of excitement to just watching a sporting contest i could make some money if my team gets up as well uh, but one of the more dangerous motivations for gambling is coping um, so if people are turning to gambling to cope because they're struggling um, that is often a really big predictor for gambling related problems um, down the track and we know that things like pokies in particular you can just kind of sit there and hit the buttons and zone out and not worry about what's going on around you so it becomes a really effective way for people to just just dissociate for a little while and not worry about the world around them but of course they're doing damage because they're not really because they're zoning out they're not paying attention to how much money they're putting in um, and that's going to lead to more problems for them down the track that's a good point and the picture you paint there of someone kind of zoning out to the pokies of course during lockdown that's not an option but then there's differences in the gambling mechanisms between pokies and gambling online so if someone's zoning out while they gamble online What's some of the big technical risks there? Well, it's it's harder to zone out with with gambling. One of the uh, online, one of the key things with pokies is that they allow you to just place bet after bet after bet, and to do it without thinking about it, you just got to keep hitting this button. Uh, you know, a lot of people work out ways around that as well. You know, they stick a coaster in next to the button to keep it <laughs> down. You know, so it will keep spinning. So you don't have to think about it too much. But if I'm going to place bet after bet in terms of uh, online gambling, like sports betting or race betting, then I need to sort of go through a few steps. I need to choose what I'm going to bet on and which option I'm going to choose and how much I want to bet. You know, each bet takes a little more work. And so it's harder to place bet after bet after bet with online gambling. At least those are the forms that are available in Australia. There are uh, overseas websites that have online pokies and online casinos. So you can access them. They're not meant to offer their, um, their services to Australians, but some of them do. And it's not that hard to get to them either. So if you really want to, you can play a pokey online, but it's probably a really bad idea. Um, that online service, obviously you can't put the, the coins in the slot or the, the notes in the slot. Are people gambling with credit cards then? And yeah, how, is that right. an issue? Yeah, yeah. So with online gambling, um, even the forms that are in Australia, so sports betting and race betting, they accept credit cards. Um, but it's not 
a transaction like it would be if I were buying a, a service online. You know, if I were paying for, uh, you know, someone who'd done some work for me online on my credit card, it's just like a normal transaction, right? But if I use my credit card for gambling online, it's not a transaction. They treat it as a cash advance. So that means you get no interest-free days, you get uh, cash advance fees, and you get that higher interest rate straight away as well. So, you know, gambling with your credit card online, it's, you know, concerning because you're using money that you don't have, but you're getting hit with even bigger uh, fees and, and interest rates than you would expect. And people don't necessarily see that coming. That's interesting. It does sound like if people have continued to gamble during the lockdowns, um, yeah, they, they might be getting a pretty big bill, a pretty big problems at the end of it. What about people who their day-to-day habits have just completely changed and then they've gone cold turkey essentially. Do you think that's happening or are people always finding a way? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look, so, you know, the people who are really going to struggle with this are the people who are, you know, heavily reliant on pokies, um, have, have an addiction to it. Um, and we know that the people who are the the experience the biggest problems from their gambling don't just bet on the pokies. You know, the pokies are always the worst one, um, but they tend to bet on other things too. So they may just be substituting the pokies with uh, with more race betting, for example, because they can. That's what's available to them. Um, but there's a lot of people who only bet on the pokies and may still be reliant on it, and they're missing out on um, on something that, that has become important to them. So, you know, picture a lot of older people who go to the club, for example, because everyone knows their name and they don't see uh, their family and friends otherwise, they're missing out on some really important social contact there. Um, you know, if the pokies is the cost of that, it's, it's maybe not the greatest um, social contact that they could have, but it's, it's an important thing for them too. So this will be a difficult time for a lot of people. And a lot of people will be really, you know, hanging out for these venues to open up again, just so that they can, you know, go back to what they did before. Enjoying this episode? Subscribe to Seek University Commentary on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts for more. And remember to rate, review, and share. And in the recent weeks, we're seeing lockdowns start to ease. Um, how do you think the the gradual easing of restrictions are going to impact some of those different groups differently? Well... We're seeing with the restrictions being eased that a lot of people are doing different things around it. Some people are really quite happy to just get out of the house straight away. Some people were ignoring the restrictions anyway. But I think there's going to be a lot of people who just stay at home. People who are most vulnerable here are the older people um, in the community. And these are a lot of the people who will be looking to get out of the house um, to go to their club or their pub to play the pokies and to see their friends and those sorts of things. Um, and so, you know, there's there's a vulnerability there, not just from the gambling, but from, you know, potential second wave coming through here too. So, you know, a lot of this is um, looking after our more vulnerable members of the community and seeing if we can find something else for them. I guess the flip side to that is um, the gambling industry, I'm sure, will be very keen to welcome everyone back with open arms. And um, these are, as you say, some vulnerable community members we're talking about. What sort of tactics do you think we'll see from betting operators? And are there precautions that people should be taking if they want to avoid old habits? Yeah. So uh, in terms of, you know, venues like pokies and things like that, it's likely that there will be the usual buses going around and picking people up and dropping them off home and all that when they're done. Um, that That's all going to pick up 
again. Um, and, you know, there, there are restrictions in terms of advertising pokies and things like that. You don't really see those those kind of ads around at all, do you? Um, but in terms of um, online gambling, um, I think we're going to get hit with a big wave of ads pretty soon. So, you know, all of these online operators, they haven't had sports to bet on for a while. Australian sports are going to be some of the first to open up again. So we're going to have interest not just from uh, Australian punters, but potentially people overseas where, you know, the only sport that's available to bet on might be NRL or AFL um, if they're the first to open. You know, we, we've seen that all betting operators worldwide are offering odds on things like Russian table tennis because that's all there is. Um, it also means that, you know, there's going to be a lot of interest in these Australian sports from some potentially unsavoury people. We know that match fixing um, is closely related to uh, online gambling. Um, so that that's going to be a little bit of a, an interesting issue for us. If it's the only sport that's available, then, you know, that could happen. It's a great way to launder money, um, for example. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so there are all these, like, related issues that are going to come out. Um, there, there have been some laws that have come in in the last few years to try and make things a little bit safer for people, though, as well. So uh, things like uh, inducements, like bonus bets and things like that, aren't meant to be offered um, except via email. It changes a little bit from state to state. Um, so you can have those offered to you via email or text if you want to. Um, for those who have accounts with heaps of different operators, they're all going to be jostling for, uh, you know, your business, basically, and they're going to offer you whatever they can offer you. We're going to see ads everywhere um, trying to, to make sure that they're the company that gets your money. So consider whether you need to be on all these mailing lists, um, you know, and you can unsubscribe from all of them as well. Um, text messages uh, in particular as well tend to be pretty uh, good at getting you to spend even when you don't want to as well. Um, so, you know, if, if you're concerned about your gambling or you want to reduce it or you don't want to be influenced, um, I suggest unsubscribing from um, emails and texts from gambling operators. You can keep your account, just don't let them get in touch with you. That's a good point. But of course, the, a lot of these operators are very tricky. You mentioned, you know, gambling on the uh, Russian table tennis. Um, what are some of the weirder odds you've seen or weird betting markets you've seen open up because of the lockdowns and the absence of the usual things we bet on? So eSports is one of the newer ones that's come around. A lot of people don't know what eSports are. They're professional video games and they're just like a sporting contest. They pack out stadiums when they can, when there's mm -hmm. no social distancing going on. They broadcast them and things like that. And a lot of people find the idea of these professional video game players playing against each other being a bit strange. Um, you know, when I was sort of 14 or so, you know, mum was always like, you're never going to make any money playing video games. <laughs> but these people make millions a year in sponsorships and things. Uh, so that's an interesting one. And, it, you know, in particular, a lot of people have bought new game consoles and video games and things. So they're getting exposed to gaming for the first time because they've had time to in lockdown. Um, so there might be some interest there. It's particularly um, of interest amongst the younger people. Uh, but also um, we have always had these things called novelty bets, uh, we call them. Um, so things like who's going to win The Bachelor? And they'll take bets on anything. Who's going to be the next Pope? What colour tie Donald Trump's going to wear the next time he has a meltdown? Uh, you know, these sorts of things, right? <laughs> so all, all the, the, there can be odds on anything. And some of these things are can be a little bit tasteless because it kind of gets you talking about them a bit. So uh, when Boris Johnson was in uh, intensive care, there were markets offered on who was going to be the next prime minister, which sort of just doesn't feel like the kind of thing you should be taking money for. Uh, but, you know, hey, anywhere there's a market, they'll take it. That's, yeah, a bit dark, but really interesting. Probably a good indication of where the world's at right now. Yeah. 
Um, now, Alex, a bit about you, because you're a very busy researcher with CQNE's Experimental Gambling Research Lab, uh, you're, which is the biggest of its kind in Australia, we should say. You're also constantly writing about gambling. You're Googling gambling, I assume. You're tweeting about it at your very colourful profile, which everyone should follow. It's at Oz Wine Guy, OZ Wine Guy. Um, but be honest, how much targeted advertising does that all mean you get for gambling? <laughs> and yeah, do you yeah. ever, are you so, ever tempted? Yeah, no, look, I, I don't have a problem with gambling, to be quite honest. You know, I, I will occasionally have a bet here and there. Um, you know, I, I follow rugby union personally. So when the Waratahs are playing, um, you know, I might consider putting a bet on them or something. Not very often. It's just, it just doesn't do anything for me. Um, so, you know, I, I don't get a big sense of excitement out of it, but you know, I don't have a problem with people who enjoy it. That's absolutely fine. Uh, I do get ads, um, all the time, um, especially on Twitter because, you know, I tweet about gambling. So, you know, I get a lot of stuff targeted at me, but I find it more interesting from a, oh, that's interesting, this is what they're doing today kind of um, view rather than, oh, I better go and have a bet kind of view. It's interesting when when we know that the national spend on gambling is so big, obviously some people are doing the very heavy lifting for a lot of the rest of us, um, but I think a lot of Australians are in that boat where, yes, you know, it'll be an occasional punt on this or flutter at the pokies. Um but do you think having been removed from it that more Australians will rush back into it? What do you think it's going to look like as um, more gambling options reopen? Uh, look, certainly as soon as the pokies open, there's going to be a lot of people going to the pub, at least to have a drink and catch up with mates, um, you know, that, that's that's a big reason why they're so popular uh, in pubs and clubs and things like that. And Australia's a bit weird in that we have pokies in in pubs as well. In most other countries, um, pokies and their equivalents are in places that are specifically for gambling and you can't drink there or eat there. So we have that weird relationship. And I can tell you that most of us, when the lockdowns end, we're hanging out to go to the pub, right? So I think there is going to be a pretty big increase. I don't know if it's going to be as big as it used to be. I suspect there's still going to be a lot of people staying at home. Um, but, you know, when online um, gambling kicks in, when so many people are going to be interested in sport again, we haven't had it for a long time to watch. Um, and that's the only ones that are going to be around. So I think there is going to be quite a bump there uh, to, to go on. But one thing we've also seen happening with all of the prevalence studies we've been doing, CQU, um, our experimental gambling research lab, has had a lot of success with uh, with projects recently, and some of these are prevalent studies. Um, so we've just published one in New South Wales and one in Victoria, and we have a national one that's coming out um, in a little while once it goes through peer review. We're seeing that actually gambling prevalence is dropping, um, but the people who are dropping out of doing gambling are the people who weren't doing it much anyway. The proportion of gamblers in the population is dropping, but we've still got as many problem gamblers and what we call moderate risk gamblers and low risk gamblers as well. They're changing a little bit, but you know about what we'd expect but this sort of tale of people who might just bet a little bit they're just not doing that anymore i think there's more of a community backlash against gambling um you know more and more these days so we saw that with do you remember with the opera house in sydney they were advertising the everest which was a a, a new racing event mm -hmm. on the sales and everyone just got really pissed off about it you know it's really interesting the kind of backlash that's happening with gambling now 
It's interesting, like like a lot of things, I suppose, at the moment, it's almost tribal lines are dividing that sector of society as well. And that's probably um, something you'd be really interested in, Alex, as well as um, your gambling research, obviously. You're a social researcher and a psychology background. And I know you're also one of the Science and Technology Australia's ambassadors for promoting STEM across the community and also to our politicians. So, what what are the big psychological impacts and some of those um, social divisions almost you're seeing that have sprung up with the coronavirus? And where do you think we start addressing them? There's going to be a lot of long-term impacts here. So uh, think about what's happening to our health. We've all been stuck at home. I'm sure everyone is exercising less than they would normally have been doing. Um, certainly yeah, certainly drinking a bit more, uh, you know, and eating different foods, some more healthy than others. Uh, you know, some, some have used this as an opportunity for good change too. I don't know about you, but hey, <laughs> I think everyone's renovating some way or another. Um, you know, the, there's a lot of positives that have come out of this, and I think there's going to be some knock-ons in terms of the way that we work, um, for example, um, going forward. Uh, you know, having more uh, respect for time at home and, and things like that, which would be quite cool. Um, but, you know, there's negatives that are coming out of this as well uh, in terms of health issues and, and stuff like that too. So uh, balancing all of that's going to be really interesting, but the real challenge is going to be um, dealing with all of the stimulus that we've had to pay. There's so much money that's gone out um, and that's going to have to be paid for Somehow, you know, th these are some of the challenges with um, for politicians in particular. You know, we we as scientists can say this is what we need to see. We need to reduce gambling and all that sort of thing. Um, where, and then the politician needs to look at it and go, yeah, but, you know, the taxes from pokies pays for so much of this kind of stuff. Um, so we still need those taxes, but we need to do it in a way where there's not more harm. You know, the, the science is one side of things here, but making that into actual policy is, is a far bigger challenge than... Um, you know, there's a lot of things to be balanced there. I guess from here, it's going to be very interesting to see what the science tells us about the positive and negative impacts on the gambling sector in Australia from this lockdown and how, what, there's a lot to play out yet. Um, is there any government response that you can see is going to be needed now to maybe either consolidate some of the positive progress we've made here or to prevent some of those really negative kind of spiralling results? Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of change that's happening. Um, different parts of gambling are, are in different jurisdictions. So online gambling is a federal thing, mostly. Um, there, there's some state involvement there too, but it's a federal law that puts that in place. Um, whereas, uh, you know, uh, venue-based gambling, so pubs and clubs and casinos and that are state by state. Um, and we've seen that some states are a little more advanced in the way that they uh deal with gambling related harm. So some work on a harm minimization perspective and some are more on a buyer beware perspective in a way um, or, or what's called an informed choice thing where it's kind of up to the gambler to keep themselves in control and that's not really appropriate given that you know the pokies can be or, or other forms of gambling can be as addictive as they want to be and made to be addictive um, and then you've got this person here who's experiencing trouble and then it's kind of like well that's your fault um, so a lot of uh, the, there is some movement happening in some states that I'm aware of um, it's coming down the track and some of it's based on our research as well so myself and um, Nerely Hing, my boss, um, so she led this project uh, on what's going on in venues, like what happens in uh, in New South Wales when 
people show signs of problem gambling, um, what do the venues have to do? And the basic idea is they don't have to do anything. Um, unless someone comes up to you and says, I'm having problems or I need some help or whatever, you don't have to do anything. Um, so, you know, we heard all these stories about people sitting there at the pokies for so long and losing track of what's going on that they actually urinated all, all, all over themselves and on their seats. And it's actually quite common. You know, it's not like just a one-off story. We heard that quite a few times. So don't sit on the stools in pokey rooms, okay? Um, <laughs> But, you know, people are seeing this, the venue staff are seeing this, and they don't have to do anything about it. This looks like there might be some changes coming in there, which is sort of about time. Um, but, you know, that's going to come with some challenges here too. It's really interesting. I think a lot of people are trying to look on the bright side um, on the back of the coronavirus crisis, saying, you know, we are seeing a community that's prepared to care for each other a bit more, prepared to take positive action. So hopefully we can see us starting to take a bit better care of our problem gamblers as well. And yeah, that'll mean better things for the whole sector. Yeah, and I think like there's a there's an important message there that we've always focused on problem gamblers who are like the pointy end, you know, like about 0.71% of the population. But gambling harm is actually a continuum. It's not just you're not harmed or you're, you're not a problem gambler or you're a problem gambler. There's a whole continuum in there. And again, this, this comes out of our work um, in the Experimental Gambling Research Lab led by Matt Brown and Matt Rockoff, um, where... Uh, that they tried measuring harm in a different way to what we've always done. Um, and they found that, you know, around about 70% of the harm um, comes from people who are not classified as problem gamblers. You know, they're experiencing lower level harms. They're not the ones who are, you know, going bankrupt or trying to kill themselves or things like that. But there are so many of them that if you add up your harms, which is, you know, a, an odd concept, but if you weight your harms, and add them up, then more of the harm to at a community level comes from these people who are not actually classified as problem gamblers. So let's not just focus on the people who are um, experiencing that crisis level kind of thing. Let's focus on people who are on the way there as well and try and get them before they get to that point too. It's a really good point. Um, Dr. Alex Russell, thank you so much for joining us today on CQ Uni Commentary. Really looking forward to seeing the research around gambling that comes out of this crisis and where we go from here as well. Really lovely chatting to you today, Alex, and thanks for your time. Um, we'll be back next week with CQ Uni Commentary. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks for having me.